Can I say we'll give it up? Emerson Laffey. Prost. Prost. Uh, wait a German minute. German guy. Uh, uh, do you know any? You that's just, it. That's all you got. Prost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll get you somewhere. <laughs> Emerson Laffey. Um, when I say your full name, I want to say it with an Irish accent. Emerson Laffey. Oh, well, welcome you know to the my pod. full full name, right? No, no, no. Hit it's me. Emerson Matthew Rauscher Laffey. Okay. There's some serious German in there. There's some German in there too. Yeah. Rauscher. <laughs> um, is Laffey Irish? Yes. It is. Yes. There's debate, but because my great grandfather came from England. Uh-huh. Uh, he actually was a musician. Oh. He played on a boat, played violin. Okay. He came to the States no from shit. England. Uh, you know, playing violin, so it's pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, but they think that the family originally comes from Ireland uh-huh. to England. Yeah. So, and, and where does the, the Rausche come in? Oh, that's definitely German. Yeah. That's my mother's maiden name. That's your mother's maiden yeah. name? Yeah. I'm learning so many things already. Yeah, well, <laughs> my grandfather spoke fluent German, Laffey. Yeah. Ralph Laffey. Okay. Spoke so, fluent German. Yeah, they're all from Milwaukee. Oh, of course. So that was the whole... Is that where you're from? No, my family is from, well, my parents are from St. Louis, uh-huh. so, which is another big German area. Right. So, yeah, the Laffeys came from England via, or Ireland via England via. to Milwaukee, then down to St. Louis. So. Okay. And, and, and where did you grow up? Here. Here? Yeah, my parents moved out here right before I was born. Okay. So. Do you have siblings? Yes. I have one younger brother. Okay. So you're the old guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, hit me with some early musical memories. What was being played in the house? What was a band that struck you or a record that really spoke to you? Well, uh, nothing in the house really struck me. <laughs> what were they listening to? <laughs> well, classical music. I mean, I kind of absorbed that, I think, yeah. subconsciously. I wasn't yeah. really into it. And then... <laughs> Some like show tunes, I guess, you know, like musicals. Okay, yeah, yeah, My yeah. dad was huge into like, you know, sound of music and, and the music man, especially. Uh-huh. Stuff like that. And my mother was always like Bach, Mozart. Yeah. The standard. The re- She was a singer, too, in, in, in a lot of choirs and stuff, really into that stuff. Okay. Um. So, but I don't think that really influenced me. I think it was my friends growing up. It was really high school that got me started in really listening to music. You Talk know, to friends. me about that. Well, my friends just, I don't know, they all played guitar. Mm-hmm. They all picked up guitar about middle school, high school, and uh, I guess started getting into stuff like Nirvana and stuff. So I, I, I'm assuming that we're kind of a similar age. Yeah, I, I turned 45 last week. So. By the way, happy belated. Thank I you. saw that. Yeah. Um, I just turned 46. Okay. So we have the exact same era yeah, in right. mind. Probably different tastes, but well, same era. I mean... I remember that time, um, early high school, um, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, mm-hmm. um, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Like that was, I felt like that was our music. That's mm-hmm. our generation's yeah. music. You know, absolutely. There were influences before that, but um, hold on. So, all right. So, high school, you're kind of coming online with music, discovering this this new stuff mm-hmm. when oh, did by, you by the way i'd yeah. like to back it up just slightly let's do it let's there do was it. a little bit of an era where i was into like gangster rap wow in like middle school but like 
like NWA. Yeah, like that stuff. But it was like totally <laughs> verboten to use that's another. Two, that's German. two German words. And like, we're already off to a really good and start. And I remember my uh, my buddy got a hold of three cassette tapes, two live crew, <laughs> Easy E, and NWA. And I bought them from them, from him, and hid them. From my parents, yeah, it was like totally no, no good. No, especially the two live crew. <laughs> I mean, the album cover had a bunch of naked butts on it, right. you know, and the big war- warning labels and everything. Right, right. I hid them in a little backgammon game that zipped up. Smart, yeah. And Smart. I listened to those like it was really titillating, you know, to oh, listen to these. Yes, you know, really, I'm sure obscene and right. you know, from a whole other world. Right. Growing up in Scottsdale. <laughs> A bunch, a bunch of white people. It's nothing. Just bumping two live crew. Just like so, I was into them briefly, in like middle school, and then kind of grew out of it. But boy, I was like having the Playboy mags, you right? Know? Yeah, similar exactly. feeling. Of, right, right. Oh, this is just, you know, my parents would kill me if they found this stuff. <laughs> so that was that was fun. Uh, but yeah, so later on, kind of got into the other music. But yeah. When did you come to the drums? Uh, well, that was actually pretty late. Um, actually, I was 16 when I started drumming. Mm-hmm. So I was into like saxophone. I played saxophone in middle school and high school. Well, not high school, but uh, in elementary and middle school. Mm-hmm. And then I switched to bass. And this is all to join my buddy's band. Right. This was all an attempt. They already had like <laughs> everything they needed. Right. <laughs> what can I bring to the table? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know. But I'm trying to get in on bass. That's kind of a weak <laughs> instrument for them. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play bass. Right, right. And these guys were heavy metal bands. That's like the throwaway instrument right. in heavy metal. That's you know? funny. Like we were just talking the other day how you know how the Metallica turned off the bass for one of their albums, you know, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> Apparently it was accidental. No shit. I was I don't know if that's true, but I was talking to a guy the other day, like, they just forgot about the bass. <laughs> Sent him home. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so, all right. So, did you get into any of these bands? No. Oh no. So eventually, me and my buddy uh, uh, Dave Kennedy, we started up our own band. You yeah. Know? But yeah, the original band called Sacrament. So dumb. But uh, yeah, we. I never got into that band. It was just like <laughs> didn't make the cut. They had everything they needed. They didn't need me. <laughs> but that's why I kind of started drumming because the the friends said, "Well, you know, we're not sure about the drummer." You know. I might need another somebody yeah. to jump in there. I was yeah. like, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. really, they were just trying to light a fire under his ass and <laughs> <laughs> lining up a replacement. Right. It was all a big game, you know, whatever. <laughs> Strangely enough, I stuck with it, though. I don't know if they all kind of dropped away and didn't right. pursue it to the next level, you know? Right, right. But yeah, I mean, it, and I love the music too. So, I mean, I love, so that's, that's the heavy metal era, uh-huh. you know? So, and, and I listened to a lot of stuff like, you know, um, crossover bands like Alice in Chains and whatnot, but it was really like Metallica that got it started with the heavy metal. Yeah. Cause that was just my mentality. Huh. It was all about like, you know, clean execution and, okay. you know, just right. playing really complicated Technical. stuff mm-hmm. in the attitude. You know, because uh-huh. the grunge thing was more like, let's just play sloppy and, and kick over our amps after the show. Right. And I was appalled by that yeah. behavior. I'm like, that's a very expensive, nice instrument. Why would you why would you kick it over? I remember Nirvana on, yeah. on uh, SNL and whatnot, just, 
you know, right. destroying their instruments. Yeah. What? Right. You know? Right. But yeah, that was kind of their attitude. But the metal thing was like just, you know, and, and the complicated thing. I, I st- I'm still into like, you know, stuff that's like progressive, you know, like prog rock and, okay. and stuff like that, you yeah. know? Uh, but yeah, like Metallica. And then it was Megadeth. That was a big one. Right. Uh, I was really into the album Rust in Peace. Uh-huh. I mean, r- like too much. <laughs> Still awesome album, but you know how how possibly too much? Like, did you? Well, get, is that, was that okay? Your first I'm gonna tattoo? total dork thing. Do I it. made a hat. Yes, I had it made that said "Rust in Peace." They didn't and wore it in high school. Which they weren't. Is why offering. I didn't get laid. <laughs> Like <laughs> they weren't offering that as a merch option. Not was, not at all. Not at all. No. So you and took it, it upon yourself. Fitted hat. You know. Oh yeah. So dumb. That's your but dedication. You know, that was me in high school. Dedicated. You know, yeah, I wore that around every day <laughs> to hide my long hair. That was I couldn't. I didn't want to deal with. You know, yeah, I had really long hair too. Really, I grew it down. It was down to my ass. Okay, you so know? you were just on the fringe. You were yeah, just we were fringing. like the metal kids. Yeah, metal you know, kids. there was always there was grunge kids here. Yeah, you know, probably a pack of five or ten of them. You know, and yeah. then there was me, and then there was everyone else. Right. There's kind of preppies and. It was a really, I mean, I went to Saguaro High School. The school was just so buttoned down at the time. Yeah. So boring. Yeah. You know. And you you were bucking the system. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of rebelling against that suburban yeah. crap and, and, yeah, especially Scottsdale. Right. There's no diversity. No. We had, like, no Mexican kids. Yeah. One black guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, how do you, yeah, you don't know anything about the world. Right. You know, and the diversity that's out there, you know. So, luckily, they only lasted four years. Right, right. Pretty brief time. Your your folks aren't musical, I guess, in, in, they're, were they... Oh, they are. They, they, they perform as well? No, my mother was a singer. Okay. Um, in, in choirs. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. like, you know, she was in Bachwin Mag- Madrigal Society, as well as, you know, various other uh, things. Contamus was a big group that she was in in town. Okay. Um, so pretty serious about like singing mm-hmm. basically the German repertoire. Yeah. You know. And they were supportive of, of kind of your musical interest then? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, totally. You know, even though you got a drum set in there making a bunch of noise, they never really complained. Mm-hmm. They loved it. You know? Yeah. There was only one time my dad busted in at like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, dude, I'm trying to get to some, some sleep here. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. That was it. I think the whole time, just nonstop drumming. Yeah. They were fine with it. That's awesome. I don't know. It was pretty, it's a testament how patient they were. Right. Right. Because drumming is, yeah. It's no joke. And you're a drummer too. So you yeah. understand that. Were your parents, they, were you drumming at home? I was drumming at home and they were always very supportive and we would always rehearse while they were trying to eat oh, right okay. but we had a basement and we'd all go down we'd file in go downstairs you know full pa marshall half stacks full drum kit and like we would shake the house right and they're trying to like have a conversation over dinner you know and they never said a word That's great i know i'm like saints saints yeah. they were just super supportive and we ruined dinner for about 10 years. But they knew where you were. That's also true. That was true. my parents, you know, one thing. Yeah. Oh, we always knew where you were. Yeah. 
you know. It's like a tracking We're device. We're getting into trouble. <laughs> You're not running the mean streets right. of Scottsdale. Yeah, <laughs> Scottsdale. Yeah, it's pretty hard to get into trouble in Scottsdale. I mean, you can, but it's a little bit different place now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a, I wouldn't say it's worldly, but I don't know. Yeah. It's bigger. Yeah. What was the music program like at Saguaro? Um, they had a decent program. I was not in music not classes. in yeah not no. doing that okay I, I after i gave up the saxophone i really didn't have much to do with schooling until i went to college i, I did take a theory class in high school and that's about it so how did you make the leap from just kind of a self-taught drummer to deciding to go to asu well yeah i mean it was uh well i i didn't know what i was going to do with my life and so i ended up going over to scc scottsdale mm-hmm. community and um, started taking music classes there. You know, I hadn't decided what I was going to major in, and uh, it was kind of an easy way to get into it without doing the whole audition process and doing, you know. Wait, really... explain that to me. Well, at SEC, you can just take classes. Oh, I see. So you weren't necessarily trying to get into a specific program. No, you could just kind of audit whatever you wanted. Well, it wasn't auditing, right? Yeah, but you but, could yeah. taste whatever you wanted. Yeah, you and, didn't and... need to take uh, right. do an audition. Got you. and declare a major. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. to take any class. I mean, you could take any class essentially right. there. And uh, so, yeah, I got into the music program there, you know, and uh, started studying with Dom Moyo. Um, oh. He was not the instructor at SEC. This was a big deal for me to, because I was already taking lessons from him privately at his house. Oh, okay. And I brought him in there basically against kind of their wishes. I, really? I don't know, you know, Cleve Huff was their uh, drum instructor. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I, I managed to get, lessons from dom at his house through sec paid for by sec it was oh, awesome wow. that's great it was a hell of a deal um so yeah and he became he was my instructor my guru for several years there he's awesome yeah both uh privately and through the college mm-hmm. so uh yeah that's how i kind of studied jazz drumming and he got me into a lot of different styles so he was i i credit him with getting me into latin music oh because he has a whole book Latin percussion and perspective that I started studying out of. And uh, it's a really good starter for learning those rhythms and stuff. And I fell in love with like Latin styles, huh. salsa, you know, and then later kind of flamenco type stuff. Huh. Um, but yeah, I love in Brazilian as well. So um, that's kind of a major uh, focal point for me. It has been is Latin music and, and Latin drumming, you know? Yeah. 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 Flamenco has been a huge part of my musical life for 25 years now oh wow. you know i started studying that um and uh you know um went to spain although i didn't study flamenco in spain um studied spanish but um came back and and started jamming with with uh chris mm-hmm. he was my roommate in college no shit. so i go back wow and we didn't have any idea about flamenco back then <laughs> we would just jam the rhythms uh-huh. it was kind of a crazy full circle thing where we would jam it and this was Adrian uh, Goldenthal on bass too. Wow. We were in a band called wow. Green Rosetta in college, and uh, it's so funny how things just circle back. But and then um, and later on, getting into that style, I got into a flamenco band that played full time flamenco. It was called Mosaico, and I got hired to play at the Hyatt in Ganey Ranch four nights a week flamenco. Yeah, wow. You know, it's going from a style you thought would you'd never play really. You know, it just kind of, you're interested in it. Right, right. To like, that's your living. Livelihood, right. Crazy. Well, and and was this, 
I'm assuming this is post Esteban at the yeah. Hyatt. Yeah, they uh, Mosaico took over for Esteban when yeah. he left the Hyatt. Yeah. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I've been doing this now for over a year, and I'm loving the feedback. I'm just loving having these conversations with people that I love and respect. I'm really hoping that you dig it. So thank you for listening. I also want to tell you about an upcoming show. I love Tom Petty's second solo record called Wildflowers. And I've assembled a dream team of dear friends and very talented musicians to play that record front to back at Santan Gardens, which is a new music venue at 495 East Warner Road in Chandler, Arizona. Some tickets are still available. Santanbrewing.com forward slash events. Join me, Matthew Thornton, Jay Allen, Brendan McBride, Jay Poole, Roy Cameron, and Ted Belladin. This record is so fun to play. You need to be there. Please join us. Santanbrewing.com forward slash events. Hit me with that transition from SEC to ASU. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I just started studying a lot of these these music classes and really fell in love with music and and uh, got pretty good rapidly at jazz as a you know as a drummer and I because I I would go into these uh, I I started the day band there the the big band they had terrified oh. terrified I mean I didn't really read music oh. I mean read it a little bit from my saxophone days right but drumming you know figuring right. out how that's interpreted for drumming. And uh, to go from like just terrified every day to finally cool with it, you yeah. know, sort of getting used to, you know, how to read within the style and how you play big band drumming. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's, um, yeah, that was a, I learned a hell of a lot Yeah. in just two years. At SEC. At SEC, you know, and, and I credit Dom and, and some of my other instructor, instructors there for really helping me out. And then the, the transition to ASU was a very confused and... <laughs> I mean, ASU at the time was just, it's, it's too large. It mm. didn't understand. So they accepted me at ASU to transfer from SEC without, you know, they didn't tell me that you needed to audition uh. to make it into ASU. Yeah. So like I got accepted and started taking classes and they're like, well, you know, you're going to have to pass an audition. I'm already taking the classes. <laughs> So then I'm like studying like marimba now because <laughs> I didn't know. And I don't think I would have transferred like that. If right. I know. Oh, you got to go full on with the marimba lessons now. <laughs> cause I, I had done all my, cause I was going to go for a BA in music. I had done all my, uh, my private lessons with right. the two years with Dom. Yeah. But they're like, no, no, you're not done with your two years. We're going to have to make you do a year of marimba. Oh God. What the hell? Too. So it was like a really confusing process. And, and the, the people that that um, that I dealt with didn't understand how it worked, really. Huh. You know, they were they should, right off the bat. They should be like, no, you're going to have to pass an audition. Right. Or else all these become like credits that are not for a major. They're just electives. Right. 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 So everything would just be electives and kind of worthless. Right. To a degree. Right. So right. anyways, yeah. So I was studying furiously and I didn't have a key to the practice room. So I'd be sitting there practicing my marimba on the floor with my mallets. Oh. You ever do marimba? Uh, I mean, yeah, in like high school concert Four band. Four mallet technique, no, all no, that? No, 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 no. Yeah. It's I a, was doing like, it's you know, come thing. On, fucking like the monkey on the okay. thing, you know. Yeah. 
So I'm sitting there practicing on the floor in front of the, you know, in the, in the basement of the ASU music building, yeah. waiting for the person to finish <laughs> up so I could slip in there after they left. <laughs> so, oh, hold, hold the door, you right, know, right, right, and then right. jump in there and practice for as long as I could get away with <laughs> for the next person that had signed up for that room. You know, Jeez. it was a really like confusing and, and just difficult process. And somehow miraculously I passed my audition and I didn't, all those credits actually became good for my degree. For your, yeah, for your major. And not not just a bunch of worthless electives. <laughs> and, uh, which, I mean, I probably would have spent another year and got some degree or whatever, you know, which would have been okay. It wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah. And, it, and what you realize in music doesn't matter if you have a degree right. at all. If right. you want to play music professionally, there's only one thing that matters is can you play? Well, one of my questions, follow-ups to that was going to be just that. Did, did you... Were you envisioning life as a performing musician, as a gigging musician, or did you want to teach? Like, what was... None. That's the crazy part. I thought I'd have to get a um, master's degree in something completely different huh. to make a living. Huh. So th this was just, you know, purely for my own... For the love of it. Yeah. Just to learn music. And, and I thought... And in fact, I was discouraged from being a professional musician by instructors. <laughs> Like, no, there's no way you can make a living at this, huh. you know? Huh. So, I mean, not like straight up, but there was definitely like alluding to the yeah. fact that it's not going to happen, you know, this dream, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, do you think they were teachers too. So they saw that right. world as, oh, you can teach. Right. Do you think that there is a stigma by academics, like uh, as a, to be a, a performing musician um, is not as what legit as working in academia in music. Did you f get that sense? I don't, I don't think so. I just didn't think that they really had a full grasp of what was out there, you know? And, and, you know, you go to a school like, you know, musicians Institute or Berkeley or something like that. I think those, those are more geared towards playing mm. a variety of music in every style, mm -hmm. you know, ASU at the time, and this is 20 plus years ago. Mid 90s, right? Yeah. Late 90s. Um, very, very classically oriented. Mm -hmm. The jazz program was really small. They didn't, I mean, you could not get a drum set lesson unless you were a jazz major. I got no drum set lessons at ASU. None. All marimba. <laughs> fucking marimba. Timpani. <laughs> shit that I was never, I but knew I would never yeah, use. Yeah, I knew. Are you gonna fucking, what are you going to be, a full-time I had no desire to be marimba a... Marimba player? No, yeah. And even that, I mean, timpani players are hired by orchestras. I mean, that's a whole thing, mm -hmm. you know? And and some people did that. But, I mean, I, and I was terrible at timpani. <laughs> Tuning was a bitch. Oh, I yeah. I was terrible at it. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was basically, that's, you know, they're geared towards... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, creating instructors and classical right. musicians. So they know a lot about that, but the jazz world and the pop world, and you know, they nothing. I mean, and, and it's changed. I know yeah. I, from talking to people yeah. that you can kind of custom craft your degree a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I mean, back then it was super rigid. You know, you you just taking these classical lessons and you they don't care about drum set at all huh. you know wow i mean it, and it's kind of crazy when when they just drop you off into the world right and i could have learned a lot of other skills yeah. that i had to learn on the job right you know through trial and error and just you know yeah. realizing um i could come up with a list of stuff that you know that they should have classes for yeah especially for drummers you mm. know hmm. transcribing music 
reading charts, doing all the stuff that like, you know, in the business aspect, but they've gotten a lot better at it. I know mm-hmm. Raul's over there, mm-hmm. so I'm sure he Raul, come on. took his, you know, learnings and is applying them right. to a lot of what the, the students need to exist in the world. And, yeah. and uh, but yeah, the business aspect, nothing. Right. So funny. Like zero about how to actually run a small business. That's what it is. is what, yeah. What, musician is yeah you know so yeah they should like marry that to a business degree right you know they should be like no you got to take all these how to manage your yeah your stuff yeah too because that's way useful marketing (laughs) it's certainly more useful than acoustics (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah you can get away with some of that knowledge is useful i guess (laughs) acoustics (laughs) How was Tonal harmony of the 18th century? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I use that knowledge. <laughs> tell me about um, um, the Tempe scene in the in the late 90s. Oh, awesome! I mean, you had at least half a dozen clubs in, near on an, on and near Mill Avenue. Yeah, um, you had the Green Room. This is a place that nobody knows about. Yeah, uh, first time I saw. Chicano Power Revival. We'll get into that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that I saw. I mean, they had Long Wong's, mm-hmm. famous club at this mm-hmm. point, you know. Mm-hmm. And Below's, of course, was the hub of everything, mm-hmm. uh, where I saw all these great players. Some of them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had uh, Cafe Boa, Balboa mm-hmm. Cafe, mm-hmm. Gibson's. Try to think what else was around there. And there was a bunch of other smaller places. Yeah, you know, Yucca was always there. Mm-hmm. Um, still there. One of the few. Same location as it's always been? I think they moved. Yeah, I thought they moved. Yeah. There was a place near Yucca, too. I forgot the name of the place. And then uh, you had places off mill, like, you know, Sail Inn. Um, Nita's. Nita's. Well, Nita's oh, was geez. Yeah. Nita's. We had a steady residency. No shit. For a couple of years with CPR. Okay. On Thursday nights at Nita's. Wow. Nice. I mean, and I, wanna, I just want to say this. Okay. Nita's was where Tempe Marketplace is now. Yeah. Off Rio Salado. Yeah. Okay. It was sandwiched between a porno shop and a junkyard. <laughs> Amazing location. <laughs> yeah. I would trade the entire of entire Tempe marketplace and all that is in it for Nita's. Yeah. Just take just take it away. Yeah. Bring back Nita's. You know, yeah. one of the great venues, and you know, we saw great bands, and we actually opened up for uh, Medeski Martin and Wood there. And wow. Saw a bunch of great bands there, and and uh, it was it was That's the it. scene. Yeah, yeah, Nita's. Before I moved in two thousand three, I was looking for jobs. I thought, well, maybe I'll just I'll work at a music venue while I get on my feet or whatever. And I mm-hmm. reached out to Nita's to see if they needed to hire anyone. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, I think basically by the time I get to town, shortly thereafter. Uh, need is closed right right so i yeah. never got to see About a show that, there and, yeah yeah did you remember the one where they moved down to like an old cracker barrel or something off the freeway yeah i briefly i, I didn't get to either location but i do remember off hearing the that they were, they, they were moving oh there yeah. was hollywood alley too okay that was that was technically a mesa but that was part of the tempe scene mm-hmm. right on the 101 there do hollywood you, alley yeah what what other bands do you remember from that from that era that you would go see oh geez um buddy of mine was in red light district mm-hmm. um geez provocative what a, yeah <laughs> <laughs> what other bands man i should have written this down beforehand <laughs> i'm totally drawing a blank i mean yeah 
Well, Ted Baladin's band. Uh, well, there was Think Courses that Leon was in. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then um, uh, As Is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was... There was a ton of them that a were staples, happened, yeah. you know, always, Walt Richardson was always there yeah, in some form. Yeah. So there was, there was a lot of good bands and, and, uh, the original projects, I like to go back to, um, my favorite band of all time, uh, from Phoenix was, uh, Jigawataka. Whoa. This is a name you probably have never heard. Never of. heard it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite drummer in town was John O'Reilly who, uh, another, moved, moved to East coast, but another nice, incredible Irish drummer. Lad. Incredible drummer. Really? Yeah. And um, he was in a band called Jigawatica, and these guys were killer. What kind of music? I, it was crazy funk. Some people likened him to, I don't know, just um, just the crazy funk. Ba- I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how to describe yeah. um, their music, but they had a lot of electronica influence. Hmm. And, of course, later on, they, they brought in, like, the Hammond organ. So that sound was hmm. just killer mm. i mean and they they had an incredible live show where they just you know just destroyed it was they were such great musicians too mm. um yeah they moved to boston actually oh really yeah i have an album called live at linwood oh my god uh is that a that's a venue in boston yeah, right yeah i feel like i might have played there that sounds Probably. very familiar this would have been mid 2000s Probably, yeah, or I, maybe even early two thousands. That that name sounds vaguely familiar. I, I mean, we were playing in Boston, like ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we played um, anyway. Yeah, we we mm-hmm. we played a bunch of venues in Cambridge and Boston, and but Lynn was it the Linwood Grill? Yeah. Probably, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so then they have a, an album, but I don't think it's available uh, you know, anywhere on the streaming. You yeah. know, Rocket Journey, just a great album. <laughs> John O'Reilly wrote one of the greatest songs in history, The Drummer. Whoa. Yeah. You Come know, on. Spellbound. That's an incredible, and it's got all this drum and bass. As a drummer, you would yeah. freak out. Really? Incredible solos, and well, just like fills that are just yeah. like okay bananas. He's my favorite drummer to this day that I know. Wow. Yeah. Incredible drummer, and he's—I think he's—he's uh, he's living outside of New York and in uh, Pennsylvania somewhere, and and doing you know work in the city and, and a lot yeah. of recording. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I see him posting all of his tracks that he's—they're always great, you know, cool. videos of him recording for people and stuff. And yeah, incredible drummer, super nice guy, and and he—he uh, he was at ASU when I was there. Oh, cool. Yeah, he went there. I I think in this, you know, for the record, I don't know that he went there on a violin scholarship and just decided to switch to drums <laughs> just decides yeah wow well i don't know i don't yeah. know exactly how it went down but like uh yeah an incredible guy and, and he was the first drummer in chicano power revival okay cpr the very first show that one i went to the green room oh i see so i mean you fast forward through my whole asu career and i'm, I'm graduating there and i go see cpr and this this kind of a buzz around him it's raul has brought together Leon mm. and a lot of the jazz ringers, mm. Mario, mm. and because uh, Raul played with Mario quite a bit, mm-hmm. Shining Star and other bands, right? Um, and they used to jam at Belos too, right? That was right. a great, a great jam. Usually, Todd Shuba was on that, and a number of or Dowell or somebody, yeah, yeah. folks have have referenced that, yeah, Belos hang, and and that jazz epic. trio was incredible, yeah. I just go there and just be in awe, yeah. So yeah, Raul started this band with Leon. 
in a 10 piece Latin band, but not like Latin salsa, but like Latin rock and adding all these other influences. And when I saw them live there, I was blown the fuck away. Yeah. I was like, this is the dream band. Wow. And then, um, then it went through a bunch of iterations where they were playing at, um, Baja Tilly's. It was another venue (laughs) right off of, uh, I think it was like university near, uh, I don't know, near mill. Mm -hmm. And, uh, cool little, I don't know they just played a lot of different Latin stuff there. And, and, um, Todd Shuba at the point that point was in the band. Hmm. So John O'Reilly, whatever reason, decided maybe he left town. I don't know what, but he's not doing it anymore. Hmm. Todd's now another great version of it. Right. I remember seeing Dom fill in uh. for the band, and I was thinking, God damn, I want to be in this band. I go see. I go to every show. No shit. Every show, I'd be there. Yeah. You know. And in, in fact, there was a lot of musicians that would go. Uh-huh. Be oh, like, so yeah, like a, like a musician's band. Yeah, I was like, damn, yeah. this is the band. Yeah. And then, finally, mm-hmm. this is my favorite, you know, and I knew Ra- Raul at ASU, and I would talk to him, and and we jammed a bunch. And um, and finally, one day, he calls me. He's like, do you know Cumbia? I'd never even heard of Cumbia. <laughs> You're like, of course. I said, yeah. <laughs> never what say no. What could possibly go wrong? Never say no. <laughs> yeah. No Cumbia. <laughs> And I was hired like that, you know, <laughs> so awesome. The dream come true. And yeah. all of a sudden I'm playing in the favorite band that I've ever right. seen ever. Right. This was during Incredible the ASU musicians. times. I had graduated ASU. So this was around yeah. 2000. I graduated okay. in 99. Okay. So around 2000, I got in this band and it just, you know, incredible musicians. I mean, Andy Gross was in it. Yeah. Steve McAllister was in it. Um, Tony Valenzuela, great conga player. Um, I don't know if you know these guys, but they're all. Great horn players, Peter Green, who's back in town, you know, and 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 uh, Raul's brothers later on joined the band, and uh, yeah, a lot of great musicians and Michael Zuna, uh huh, wow. was in the band, yeah, Ozuna man, damn, yeah, come on, so, <laughs> and yeah, I was in that band for like four or five years, yeah, and mainly playing in town or did yeah. you tour a little bit? Uh, technically, we played in Silver City, New Mexico. Okay. So interstate touring. Yeah. But I mean, it was almost all in the Phoenix area, mm-hmm. you know, and we just did other festivals. So Phoenix new times had that music festival. I don't yeah. know if they, when they stopped that, but like, that was a big deal. Huh. Like mill time, uh, mill Avenue, um, new times music yeah. festival. So all yeah, the bands yeah, yeah. were in that. Um, yeah, we did some other festivals and, and just a lot of clubs. Mm hmm. And uh, it was great. I mean, it's cool hang. Everyone was super cool in that band. Yeah. And great musicians. And we would just jam. I have recordings where we play like 25-minute songs. Yeah. Everyone took a solo. <laughs> Maybe two. And Raul took some <laughs> deep solos. And we're talking like five-minute explorations, <laughs> you know? And we just have all these people just jamming the whole time, you know? Yeah. It was kind of like uh, our stuff was more like a dead thing where mm. like people could come and just zone out. I mean, it wasn't deadheads, but like that right. kind of thing where like that approach maybe. expected to go. Yeah. Songs are not concise. Right. They're expected to just right. take forever and, and explore. Yeah. So it was cool. Um, yeah. So you're a kind of you're out of school. You're a gigging musician uh, playing in, in the in your dream band. Did that support you? Like, was that band kind of your bread and butter band and got you kind of into that scene? 
as a as a working musician. Uh, it did, but it, it wasn't enough to make a living. That yeah. that band, I mean, for example, when we played at Nita's, we were making thirty bucks. Oh yeah, it was mm-hmm. a ten piece band. Yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, and that was every Thursday. So, but concurrently with that, I joined the Mosaico at the Hyatt, and that oh, became gotcha. where the money was. Right. And luckily, they were they let me sub out to the point where I if could, CPR was playing. Yeah. Yeah. I could do both, mm-hmm. which was incredible. Mm-hmm. So I just fell in because I, I went from not thinking I would be right. able to do this at all. Right, right. Maybe do an occasional jazz gig, but have a job. I mean, I was going back to school to try to get a public administration master's. <laughs> For some reason, I thought I'd want to work in government. <laughs> uh, Jesus. How dumb was I then? Anyways, <laughs> I got like one class out of the way and decided no. You know, <laughs> right? But yeah, so I was thinking, no way. And then all of a sudden, I'm playing all this awesome music with yeah. all these great bands in styles that people told me didn't even exist. Right, right. You know, I literally had people tell me there's no gigs in Latin music, none. And mm. then all of a sudden, that's all I'm doing. Right. So right. You, you just have to like love something, yeah, a lot, and somehow, you know, people find out about you right because i mean the reason why raul called me is because i loved latin music you know i was in the latin jazz band there at asu and uh i don't know if he was involved in that i know don moyo taught it uh but he just understood that i loved and i was picking his brains about mm-hmm. latin music and and studying spanish too asking mm-hmm. him about you know spanish mm-hmm. i had like classes in spanish asking him to like translate stuff for me or mm-hmm. you know proofread right a paper right you right, know it was right, like right. stuff like that. i love latin culture and all that stuff and i went to spain and and then flamenco was a huge thing for me well the um, the spain thing was that was that like a, a like a semester abroad or a year abroad just a summer just a summer yeah, yeah but you knocked out a bunch of credits which was awesome yeah super easy way to knock out some that's serious the right way credits. to do it you, you know, know spanish 400 level yeah come on I took one because I, I got a minor in Spanish. Dumbest thing I've ever done. It's not even doesn't even go on your degree. <laughs> I worked my ass off. Yeah. So I, we had one class. This is an aside, but it's too good. Where one day a week was a night class in like Spanish medieval literature or some shit. Yeah. I'd go in just nervous the whole week. Yeah. For this class. I'd show up there. And of course, everyone dropped like the week of the first week. Right. They're right, like, fuck right, this. Right. It's all in Spanish, crazy questions, calling on you. <laughs> and uh, and I couldn't drop it because I would have lost I would have lost my scholarship. Oh damn. Because I had to take a certain amount of classes. I had yeah. this uh, cool scholarship that I didn't pay anything for ASU because That's I was handy. on a scholarship, an academic scholarship, but I had to take the twelve credit hours per semester. And if I dropped, I wouldn't have Boy. So I stuck it out in this class, and it was the worst because you know, you're just staring at the ground, hoping they don't call you on you. You know, no idea what's going on. It was terrible. <laughs> I managed to pull out a C somehow with this paper I did. You know, it's just totally nuts. Written by Raul. Birds <laughs> as omens in Spanish medieval literature. Okay. Come on. Don't ever do that, people. Don't ever do that. Word advice. of advice. Don't, so it was nuts. I got great grades otherwise, but like, you know, my favorite line from Chuck Moronic, who was the ASU yeah. jazz, uh, he was the head of jazz at the time, was uh, he's asking Raul's bro- younger brother, you know, how's your grades? He's a trumpet player. Oh, I got straight A's. He's like, you're not st- you're not practicing enough. <laughs>
<laughs> some of my right, favorite, right, like, right, right. you know, it's just like if you're get, doing well academically, yeah, you're doing something wrong, yeah, you, you know, because right. it doesn't matter. It, all it matters is how good you are. It doesn't right. matter what grades you get. Oh. So ASU, you know, it, he was like, he understood the real world. I think yeah. more than a lot of the instructors, and uh, but by the time I got there, he was pretty chill. I mean, he had this reputation as a hothead and would yell at people, but. By the time I was there, he was like totally chill. Yeah. You know, my audition for him was like, okay, you know, play a little beat and you play a little piano with me. Okay, cool. And we got in, you know, a combo. Now, I wasn't in the big band. That was like, mm. there's very few spots for that. So, mm. John mm. O'Reilly was the drummer for the big of band. Of course. You know, so I probably would have learned a lot if I'd somehow, if they had like a lot of big bands, it would have mm-hmm. been cool. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm, I think things have changed a little bit there. I mean, obviously, they got Lewis Nash teaching right. at ASU now. That right. would have been incredible. Right. To well, be able to pick the brains of somebody that level. Even even rapping with Garrison and he, you know, he's doing this cool thing at the downtown campus where it's like, you know, making beats and, mm-hmm. you know, just that it, it feels like it's evolved, you know, talking, Definitely. say, with Todd Shuba about ASU, whatever that was, 30, 40 years ago versus today. It's like, okay, th- there's been some evolution, some improvement, yeah. like some awareness happening at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. They've evolved quite a bit and, and now they really get it. I think mm. from what I've heard, I mean, I don't go there. Right. So. <laughs> Finally graduated. <laughs> I'm long gone. People talk about ASU. I'm like, that's a lifetime ago. You know, I love yeah. memory lane like this because yeah. it's like, damn, that was another person that did all this stuff. And yeah. and like we, we were talking earlier, Tempe now, Yeah. you know, there ain't nothing there now. Yeah. There's no music as far as I, can tell. Yeah. I literally haven't played in Tempe in years. Yeah. For anything. Right. Yeah. You know, it hasn't been neither clubs nor corporates. Right. No weddings. I mean, yeah. there's a few venues there. Tempe Center for the Arts is you're right. Uh, I've done that. Is incredible. I've done that. I'll right. take it back. It's been a couple months then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Tempe that, Center of the Arts. Yeah. Yes. That that's and yeah. They that's they, it. they did it right. But yeah. that's really the only joint that's in it. town, right? Yeah. What about no? This, what about um, like the Tempe History Museum? Sometimes they do stuff. I yeah. think in collaboration, That's maybe true. even with That's TCA. True. There's a couple of government-run right. <laughs> government-sanctioned musical way. events. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. It's, it's, it's no longer the private sector that's doing music, <laughs> right? <laughs> In Tempe, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it's it's become pretty, um, yeah, pretty standard. But even the the Tempe Lakeshore Music um, event is now at the Ravenscroft. Oh yeah, that's been bumped up to that venue. Have you been up there? No, I, I, it's on Dude, my list. It's on my list. Incredible. Yeah, I've done. I've played actually in the concert hall. Oh really? Not just the greatest like the venue in Phoenix history. No shit. Easily. Whoa! Yeah. The constellation system with the oh. artificial reverb and oh, all the stuff they got going there. Yeah, I next check level, it out. man. Yeah. How big is that room? Uh, just a couple hundred. It's not that big. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's just the right size for right. jazz. Right. Yeah, you don't want to have huge venues. You don't want to make it look like it's half empty or whatever. You right. want like right. You want it packed, and it's it's really good. It's yeah. comfortable. You know, same people I think designed the Mim Theater. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's what I've heard. It's got a little bit of that vibe. Yeah. Really nice looking place too. I mean, mm. and then I've got great gear there and you know i've done a lot of the uh jazz series in the like kind of bar area right that's there's a smaller room right yeah and that's a great great stage as well Mm. got a ravenscroft piano 
Rob Moore's nice little drum set. Right. Have you seen that thing? No. Coco Bolo. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. It's a cool kit. That guy, you got to get him. Got to get him on the. Podcast I would. I would love to. Yeah. He's a gear guy too. He, oh, really? He knows everything. Yeah. 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 Um, let's take a short break. All right. And then. Um, Let's hey, this pick a- is a lot easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> See? Pretty chill. It's, yeah, it's just chill. You know, it's just rapping. Just, just rapping. Hey. Um, you don't even have any notes. It's awesome. <laughs> it's all up here, bro. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's talk about your record. Congratulations. Yeah, man. Los Banditos. Mm-hmm. Live at Tempest. Great uh, local recording studio run by the uh, wonderful Clark Rigsby. Mm-hmm. That Legend. Man, that man knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there are YouTube clips of us. Oh, yeah? In the studio. Uh, okay. Go to my YouTube channel. Go to your YouTube yeah, channel. Emerson Laffey. Mm-hmm. And I Emerson got a couple Laffey. of got a couple of them. Yeah. Had a great um, friend uh, Harold Wankum came in and videoed us. He's great. okay, great bass player as well as um, really good at all, all things video and yeah. graphic design. He helped me with the album cover, okay, and everything like that. So he put the uh, we call it the Quentin Tarantino font. <laughs> That's yeah. He's like, no, you got to get something Western. Yeah. You know? So we just did the Western theme and, you know, cause we were wearing masks at the time. This is a COVID problem. This was about a year, a little over a year ago. So yeah. like February of 2021, wow. we were still pre yeah. uh, vaccine yeah. situation. And, You're in the and thick of it. so this was like masked up. So hence the banditos got you. That's where I came up with that. Uh, and, and the, and the band is rounded out with, uh, Giannis Cadellis. Mm-hmm. Come on. Tasty. And the great Mario Mendeville. Indeed. On bass. Well, it sounds great. <clears throat> Not surprising. Um, Thank you. Oh, and you got it mastered at the vault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Good stuff. Wait, Glenda Rauschow. That's my mom. Yeah, so she passed away a couple of years ago, and, and this is dedicated to her. That's awesome. So she's the reason why I do music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Support in all things. Thank you, Glenda. Yes. For making a musical son. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how that tune came about, Latin Jam. Uh, well, Yanni's just started playing a groove. <laughs> I mean, that's all it is. <laughs> just played a nice little Montuno thing, and we came in. Yeah. And, like, mir- miraculously, 
those guys just know how to create a song on the spot. It's really, it's, it's really so impressive. It, it's like equal parts impressive and infuriating <laughs> how good they are. Yes, with that shit. But you if you spend I mean? enough time with them, you know that they are obsessed uh-huh. and they practice all the time. Right. That's not like just you know a gift from God, oh, and they right. don't you know. No, they're they are and they're that playing skill. music so much. Yeah. That they just know intuitively what to do. Wow. You know, so that's where that comes. And I can follow along. I have the yeah. skill of at least following. Right, right. You know, and understanding, okay, this is going to be the bridge here. This is going to do. Uh-huh. And then just, just having your ears wide open. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Raul described uh, Yanis as having Dumbo ears. Yes. Which is a high compliment. Yep. Yeah. They just can hear everything and knows where things are going to go. Intuition, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously that intuition has been honed. Over mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of hours yeah. of ensemble yeah. playing, right. right? Right. It's like um, people. I, I got to give a shout out to Shay. He's another guy that can end a song in a way you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you, mm-hmm. we would do this at Eddie V's. I was talking about Eddie V's earlier yeah. with you. Let's talk, and let's talk about yeah, that. Uh, how everything sounded like we rehearsed mm-hmm. because. They, he just had a way of like making it known. Hmm. This is how it's going to end. Interesting musically. I mean, I lit, I was literally staring at the back of his head. Yeah. So there was never any like visual, visual cues cues from sight. Although I could I could sense right. You know, if he got a little twitch in his neck, that this is <laughs> right. it or something right. like that. Right. You know. But yeah, certain people have really good skills when it comes to like starting and stopping tunes and signaling. Yeah. Right. Musically, just how things are going to go. Yeah telepathically Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. well you bring up shay and as i mentioned to you on the break (laughs) stand by Uh uh-oh shay had some questions for you (laughs) i reserve the right (laughs) to to plead the fifth (laughs) on any of these well we we, he wanted to know about um you playing at the height We, we touched on that for a minute um and he wanted for you to elaborate about the trio at Eddie V's. Mm-hmm. So anything beyond anything beyond what you said about Eddie V's comes to mind any, any particular evening or, well, I was talking to you, you know, during the break on how we got that gig. Yeah. It was kind of by accident, you know, Chris Alcaraz who had gotten the gig, fine, great bass player, a good friend of mine moved to Austin and kind of left us with this gig, me and Shay. And we hired Bob Lazier who was one of the best in the business. And it just took off from there and became crazy jazz explorations. And when, they will never be repeated at Eddie V's. When, never. When, like, what's the time frame on this? Um, that was 20, maybe 20, 2010-ish. Okay. Because we were there for three and a half years. Steady, whatever. You say. Yeah, we started off every Sunday Monday, then got to cut back to every Sunday. So we were there, you know, for three and a half years, yeah. every Sunday, solidly. And just a, just an exploration. And it was four hours, so it was a lot yeah. of music. Yeah. And um, and mostly instrumental. I mean, Shay would sing some, Bob would sing some. Mm-hmm. But I would say 80% instrumental. Mm-hmm. And just just play, take these songs from the Shea book, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the Shea book? He's got, like, all mm-hmm. these tunes that he's compiled into his own real book. Oh, okay. And so we really, really got going yeah. with that stuff and exploring those songs yeah. quite a bit. And we had a pretty good uh, repertoire there. And um, yeah, it was just a blast. I mean, I to bet. play with those two guys, un unencumbered, right? By because I always 
used to say there, there's no boss on this gig. Mm. It's just, I mean, it's controlled chaos. Right. So nobody's going to tell you, oh, you're playing too busy or you're mm. doing, you know, too loud. I mean, although we understood there was a certain volume limit that mm. we could get away with. We understood we could read the room too. And especially if there was nobody around, then we really get <laughs> crazy, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it was a blast. And, and, uh, like I said, I was, that'll never be repeated. I mean, we, we snuck in there and got away with murder, Yeah, you know, on a nightly basis. That's great. And it was just never a dull moment because every song would just take crazy explorations. We'd move into samba then we'd half time it into a drum and bass groove and you know we'd do wow. aphex twin twin covers and and yeah. just whatever yeah and um yeah a lot of, a lot of fun and i learned a lot from those cats because they can play yeah those two guys that can is play. an understatement yeah so we had a blast and and um brought in a lot of guest artists came and sat in and and stuff remember holly would sit in and oh, some, cool. you know yeah. jim henry would sit in and yeah you know and and uh yeah we had a lot of fun so yeah, good times. She wants to know about the time you got woken up by an earthquake on tour in San Francisco. Well, I didn't. I slept straight straight through it. <laughs> okay, so not being woken the one up. time I sleep through. <laughs> you know, the next day it's like, oh, you didn't know about the earthquake? I'm like, no. Yeah, everyone was out on the street. I'm like, thanks for waking me up and like bringing <laughs> me to safety. To save, save it was like life. a five point something. <laughs> You know, who was, are you on tour with? Uh, Steve Himmelstein. Oh, okay. And Shay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were, we were both out there or the three of us were out there and staying with my brother in Oakland. And, uh, this when my brother lived in Oakland. Um, yeah, but I have no memory of it. All I know is the next day people were like, yeah, there was a big, <laughs> it was died. a big earthquake last night. <laughs> Shit. I mean, I'm, I'm like a cricket farts and I'm awake. <laughs> Right, right. I'm like, I fucking slept through an earthquake. Yeah, I had like a large, I had like a loud fan on me. Yeah, and I guess that just, kind of counteracted the shaking or something. Something. But even my brother was like, I don't want to wake you. You look so peaceful, you know. Like, okay, well, Good. yeah, like yeah, it's Oakland. You know, right. it's a Tuesday. <laughs> Does your brother play? No, no. I mean, he plays a little guitar, you know, just messes around, but nothing no. like serious. I mean, growing up with him, he was the kid, and I, he's probably going to hate this, but he copied everything I did. Uh-huh. So once I got into heavy metal, he he, he got into heavy metal. But that's what younger brothers do. Yeah, homie. yeah. You know. I mean, he was completely glued to whatever I, you know, was into. What's if the I was into difference? Sepultura, he was into Sepultura. If I yeah. was into Pantera, he was in, into Pantera, you know. Yeah. He's two and a half years younger. Okay. Perfect. Close like, enough. Yeah. yeah. Right. Close enough that, you know, <clears throat> that you can, you can, ex, you know, relate to him on yeah. some level. Well, the great part about that is, is, is you can beat them up. And then by the time right. they get it old enough to, you know, fight back, it's over. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. I never beat him up. Let's just put it that way. Well, n- never when he didn't deserve it. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would pester me and he'd have to be beaten down. Yeah. That's, but he, that's just what older brothers do. That's I mean, what you can't, baby, can't allow I, that. I understand this completely. Two older brothers. He instigated. Yes. Always. He was all... Yes. Same. I there got was, you. It was never a point where I was aggressive to him. It was always right. him trying to... Get under your get, skin a Get my bit. goat. And he yeah. would, and I'd pin him, and that'd be it. Yeah. And then he'd start crying, get me in trouble. That was <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> rinse, yeah. rinse and repeat. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine now. There's no, no lingering resentment. <laughs> now, it can be bad with brothers. Yeah. You know? Luckily, our parents knew how to raise kids yeah. to avoid that kind of 
you know, conflict. Right. I know talking to my dad that his older brother had a lot of issues because when he came along, they started paying attention to him. Sure. You know, right. And ignored the older brother, right. which created that yeah. linger. I mean, my brother, my dad has a huge scar on his arm from when his brother cut him with a knife. Jesus. You know, <laughs> so that's real conflict there. Like a massive scar. Wow. Like, Jesus. What, did it, what was that? A machete? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Shay wants to know your feelings on playing the cajon. My feelings. Um, it's a great instrument. Yeah. You know, there's guys now in Spain, particularly who are like amazing, like yeah. virtuoso cajon players. Yeah. I can't even come close to that level of technique. Yeah. I mean, they have conga technique, they have tabla technique mm-hmm. and they can do all the flamenco guitar things mm-hmm. with the fingers and the strumming okay, gotcha. and the, in the golpes, they call it the hits. They can do that too on the cajon. Wow. So the the new level is like amazing. I more meat potatoes. I, I keep the rhythm. Yeah. I do some mm-hmm. stuff with that. And and when you have a really good instrument, like really good cajon, you can get a lot of cool sounds out of it mm-hmm. that you can't. It's not like rock cajon. You know, mm-hmm. Michael cajon is a lot more Nuanced. subtle, yeah. complicated, and the rhythms are just endless with the, the flamenco's in twelve for the most part. I yeah. don't know if you're familiar with that music. Not so. It's not much. in four four like the uh-huh. way it's, some of it is, but like. The 12 count, you know, starts on 10. Wow. Yeah. You know, and ends on 12. Hmm. And it goes 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So it just blew my mind. Yeah. That's how it's counted, and it's bizarre. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So would you play, like, when you when you accompany a flamenco guitar player, do you play the cajon or do you play the kit? I usually play cajon, but I can yeah. play kit, too. Yeah. You know, you get around it and brushes and try to stay out of their way because you right. gotta understand it's a real quiet acoustic instrument right to compete with a whole drum set it takes a lot of finesse to like just stay out of their way and not cover it up with a lot of symbols and other you know stuff yeah. and that's why cajon became such the de facto instrument for for uh, flamenco is that it really stays out of the way sonically mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. most of the other instruments too you right know? but adds that really cool subdivision sure right yeah and, and then different you can textures tie in what the dancers doing because the dancers another percussionist there. Right. You know you have to treat them as a, as another instrument. Right. You know because their their footwork is, I mean for the most part pretty uh, virtuosic. I mean it's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, what what dancers in flamenco can do, but I love the style. I mean this goes back to the heavy metal days, just loving guitar mm. and mm. The, the complicated riffs. They call mm. it you know falsettas is what it's called in in flamenco those are like riffs basically and a lot of them are you know kind of passed down through generation and right you know you oh that's from that guy that's from that guy Uh, so they'll always be quoting yes stuff from other players and and famous ones and so yeah it's a really complicated art form and 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 just but but and the the darkness of it you know Mm -hmm. it's not a real happy music it's Mm -hmm. got a real edge to it Mm -hmm. and a real kind of like you know I mean, that's the heavy metal thing. It's like, there's not a lot of happy metal, you know, right. there's the idea of just like being very serious and, and, mm. um, and technical. Mm-hmm. I love those aspects of flamenco and, and, uh, but it's a, it's a great style of music. I listen to it all the time mm. when I'm listening to music in my car or whatever, you know, it takes me to a totally different place. You yeah. know, you're in Spain suddenly, yeah. you know, and Brazilian rhythms have their own feel their own history, yeah. you know. I, I don't really know where... The, I mean, obviously, it's African 
rhythms. <clears throat> right, right. It goes back to Afro-Brazilian right. culture and, and those rhythms. And the North is different from the South in Brazil, yeah. just like in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, so, but I love the Brazilian rhythm rhythms that get more African, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Partido Alto from the North and, and, um, but yeah, a lot of them share a lot of commonalities with Cuban, Afro-Cuban music mm. as well, mm. you know, and then blues and jazz comes from right. a lot of those, you know, that dotted rhythm, right. you know, and that six, eight feel as well, you know, having that swing. Yeah. So rhythmically they have all African origins, yeah, you know, but just totally different interpretations and, and different stylistic quirks, yeah. you know, but yeah, clave is another right. aspect right. that's throughout most Latin music different claves but mm-hmm. brazil has its own they don't call it clave but it has its mm-hmm. own clave you mm-hmm. know and we we just did um a little uh, concert with holly holly pile and and uh, mario was on bass and beth lederman and uh, adam roberts and, and we we did that esperanza spalding you know yeah i know you know song yeah. a lot of cool brazilian rhythms all in that one song i mean mm-hmm. it kind of runs the gamut there's partido alto there's samba there's like funk you know huh. and, uh, within that, I mean, there's a lot of cool Brazilian rhythms, and it, you just realize, bah, in this one song, they just mm. run the gamut of Brazilian rhythms, and mm. uh, there's a lot in there. And once you get real comfortable with that style, it's amazing, mm. you know, because it shares a lot with reggae too. You know, mm-hmm. they feel the beat on two, mm. like the bass drum will come down on two mm. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. A lot of those Afro-Brazilian rhythms, there's just no one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the the one drop from reggae is definitely right. pretty strong in uh, Afro. And they have samba reggae, too. So, huh. Whoa. yeah, pretty strong in those styles. Yeah. You know? I've gotten into a lot of different Brazilian bands in, in town and and really explored that. I'm still playing with uh, Will from Brazil. Oh, sure. Yeah, playing with him. And uh, he's got a great style and, and yeah. uh, from Brazil. So, he right. you know, he grew up with those rhythms. Yeah. Playing a lot with Beth Lederman still. She she does a lot of Brazilian stuff. She was in a band, had a band called uh, Novo Mundo, which I played with quite a bit. Todd Chuba, the original drummer. Okay. So it's good uh, good company there. <laughs> right. You know, right. that band. And uh, uh, Amanda Suarez, who was in town for a while. She's a great Brazilian singer. And and um, as well as all these other bands that do Brazilian music, uh, as well as their other styles. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love Brazilian music, man. Mm. But you know, I've I've pulled out. I even do the uh, do this on pop gigs where I pull out the little toys. So I have like the one handed uh, triangle that I'll. Sh- I love it. I pull it every time I pull it out. Everyone turns to me. It's like, yeah, what the hell is that? So you what you, you kind of use it as like your hi hat hand? Yeah, and yeah. and subdivide. It's like it. a shaker. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, it's got the little triangle, and you can open and close the sound. Huh. And I've got a like a one handed. A go-go bell, uh-huh. a yep. go-shot it's called, and that freaks people out because yeah. that one's not very available. Yeah. You got to go on eBay to get this thing. You huh. Know? Huh. When I pull that thing out, everyone freaks out, huh. you know, yeah. to this day, yeah. you know, like, whoa, you know? <laughs> so I love, I love throwing the little toys out there and, yeah. and trying to get, uh, get their Brazilian thing really going, you know, yeah. when I have the full compliment, you know, and I love yeah. playing with, with percussionists. I love Joe Garcia as yeah. another a uh, good friend and and I've worked with him for years and he has a lot of these little Brazilian things down. And, uh, so whenever I'm working with him, we play off each other. It's just a blast. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's another gear guy too. He's got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of great percussionists out there that I'll work with too. And, and we'll trade off and, and just, you know, try to subtly mix and match what we're doing with each other so that 
we're not doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's another big aspect of mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. with a percussionist to try to give them their space. Right. Right. You know, I'm sure you've worked with percussionists yeah. and, and, you know, drummers, you gotta be on the same page. You gotta yeah. be able to coordinate your sound with theirs. Just do not crap all over their stuff. Right. That's <laughs> their only thing. Right. 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 <laughs> No, I was in a band with uh, Mike Florio on the drums and Todd Shuba on percussion. Oh, those are two guys that can really work together well. Yeah, and they have a history, you know, um, working together, and and they kind of share a love. uh, I feel like the fundamentals, like GAD. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that but that interaction is so much fun to be a part of, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, Todd is is another guy that I've always looked up to. I mean, since day one. He's been around, and, and... you know, even as a student, I would go watch and play with mm-hmm. various people. And, you know, it's so funny. The two of the, two of the main albums I'm on, he's, I mean, he's on the CPR album. He's mm. on three of the tracks. Mm. And one of my favorite stories, my brother is listening to the CPR album. He's like, I really like your solo on that song. I can't say, but it's a bunch of R's. <laughs> and I was like, you know, well, that was Todd Shuba. <laughs> and it's really good. Yes. <laughs> I can see why you like it. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, I you know it's a badass solo. You know, <laughs> shout out to Todd. Yeah, Shuba. Ta- shout out to him. Yeah, come on. He's on. He's worked with Beth over the years, and is on a bunch of the Nova Mundo stuff. It, yeah, it's worth checking out that second Nova Mundo album that he produced. Oh, Todd it, produced. Yeah, it? it's drum heavy, awesome stuff. Okay. Yeah, a lot of great Brazilian grooves. Interesting. And the drums are real present, and you have like uh, you have his just his fingerprint all over the whole yeah. thing. It's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. And so I listened to a lot of what he did and, and incorporated his, you know, some of his techniques into, mm-hmm. into that, you know, yeah. cause he's another guy that just listens and, and mm-hmm. just, you know, he can put the right thing at the right time. Right. And I, I love even the intro of your podcast is amazing. Oh yeah. Dude, this is so arranged. <laughs> the drums on that. It's awesome. I'm actually playing the drums on that. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, that's great though. I mean, I love <laughs> It's exactly yeah. perfect for the music. Yeah. Because, well, that's a compliment that I thought it was Todd, you know? No, I'm, I'm taking that compliment. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. But anyways, it's something he would do too, you know, yeah. try to yeah. try to really arrange something and uh, it's still pocket the whole way. Yeah. You know, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I think I'm the drummer on that one. You might want to check. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yes, because there's no hi-hat. Yeah. If there's no hi-hat, I'm playing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why is that? I just, I don't know. I feel like... Didn't hear the hi-hat there. And I feel like it gets in the way. I, I love the space mm-hmm. without the hi-hat. Oh, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? If you drop out the hi-hat, it's going to be space. Super open. Use mm-hmm. the hi-hat or use a a different instrument right. to create that subdivision, yeah. to create that lift. Shakers or whatever. Exactly. You know, that's to me like the go-to if I'm not going to use a hi-hat. Yeah. And if I'm looking for that sound, go to some shakers. Right. I always have shakers on me. Yeah. Always. It's in my bag. <laughs> right. So I can always pick one up and yeah. I'll do it on rock tunes or whatever. Yeah. Just like, and everyone's always like, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I think a lot of people just don't do that. You know, they just like fuck shakers. Yeah, you know, or it's too much to carry around. Yeah, or it's lame, or whatever. Or they're they're embarrassed, some, right. For some reason, right? Like they're they're afraid of looking yeah. stupid. I, yeah. You know, it yeah. is it is a thing with drummers to yeah. like not put themselves out there like right. that. So the story goes is sponsored by Gensler Amplification. 
Now, these guys do a ton of stuff. They do bass, amps, but what I'm here to tell you about is the Acoustic Array Pro, which I got a couple years ago, and I use all the time. It's it's a great little... I mean, the way I describe it, it's, it's like a little combo amp. It has two inputs, quarter-inch and XLR. It has some great EQ options, some effects built in. So, as a singer-songwriter... I, you know, one channel is my guitar, one channel is my vocal. It's a great, I mean, I use it in my living room to practice. And when I was doing live streams during COVID, that's what I used to amplify the show. I've used it in a professional setting. This amp is incredible. It sounds so balanced. It's super light, which is important when you're loading in for a gig. I love this amp. Check them out. GenslerAmplification.com. G-E-N-Z-L-E-R Amplification.com That's what I did with the album. I, I just I just decided, you know, I'm going to totally change the way my drums sound. And I get a totally different mental thing going where I'm just like, it gives me totally different ideas, mm. you know. Mm. And so I did a lot of, you know, some things came out good. Other things I was like, ah, I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, you mm-hmm. got to live with it. Yeah. So, but yeah, just totally muting stuff, at stacking like like little symbols on your snare yeah. or stuff like that and yep. just just trying to get different ideas mm-hmm. and get the creative juices flowing mm-hmm. you know because once you have different sounds it's right. completely changing your your approach yeah you know so yeah. definitely have done that over the years with with a lot of music and and uh you know yeah yeah or or like you use a, a 16 inch jazz bass drum you're gonna completely right play completely differently yeah you know yeah it's like when i go into the nash and play their kit there it's like this wide open jazz bass drum sound. Yeah. And so it's super cool to play jazz. But when I go to play rock, I'm like, what the, you know, yeah. this is like bizarre to try yeah. to play a funk groove when it's so. Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. Or, you know. The, the tone of the drums it doesn't yeah. lend itself to that yeah. genre. Or yeah. It, yeah. It, sometimes it does. But other times you have to be like, it's a struggle yeah. to try to figure out how to control this sound enough so that the groove sounds good. Right. You know, right. because it's it's. You know, it's tricky when you have those open sounds to yeah. control them. Right. You know, right. like you bring in a big, big 22-inch jazz riding cymbal, you're going to have to play that right. pretty, uh, you know, just a, a perfect approach to that. You yeah. know, I get this one guy who's like criticizing, I won't mention his name. He's like, ah, I ever seen you sound good on that cymbal. I can't get a good sound out huh. of that. I said, well, you got to practice. <laughs> Yeah, what are your grades? A's? Yeah, you got to practice more. <laughs> not practicing enough, man. You got straight A's. Oh, you know what? I also I also floated it out on Facebook. Let me just see what Facebook wants to know about mm-hmm. you. Sturgis. I'm going to talk about my oh, Tesla obsession. That's right. Yeah. I am obsessed with Tesla. We can go down a whole road, but this is a music podcast. This is uh, not the Clean Energy podcast. That's next week. <laughs> That's next week. Tune in next week. Yeah. Let, well. Yeah. Let's talk about it. What is it? What? How did you get connected? What's happening? Uh, you know, it goes back decades at this point. Where you know, I read a New Yorker article on global warming, and it really, it really got me down. Yeah. It was really depressing. Yeah. You know, this is like early two thousands. So that's it. You know. Yeah. Like this is gonna ruin everything. Hmm. And then, uh, so for a couple of years, I was actually kind of depressed over that whole. Thing. And then Tesla started coming around. You know, mm. I watched a documentary called Who Killed the Electric Car. 
mm-hmm. and it like totally crystallized everything. Like this is about how GM made the EV one in like the nineties mm-hmm. and then did everything they could to like kill it, mm-hmm. their own car. And mm-hmm. then finally they got the California resources board to like overturn their mandate for electric cars. As soon as they got that overturned, they pulled them back and they crushed them right here in Arizona. Really? They pulled them all back from the owners who held a candlelight vigil oh, over their cars. Wow. Came and brought them to Mesa and crushed them all. <laughs> crazy. Jesus. Crazy stuff. So then, you know, so that's it for the electric car. Then then they kind of ended it with, well, Tesla's kind of developing a car. You huh. know, this is before they even had a car. This is like early 2000s. And uh, maybe 2005, something, 2004. And so then I became obsessed with Tesla. I was huh. like, well, this is going to be the solution here. Huh. And and I remember driving around Menlo Park in California looking for the d- development car. Finally saw it. We oh, followed really? it. No shit. We followed it. Whoa. The development Tesla Roadster. Wow. Like 2004 or something. 2005. <laughs> These kids weren't even born yet. <laughs> These Tesla kids. Right. I'm like, dude, you're... You're 15. I haven't been into Tesla since you, before you were born. Okay, <laughs> take it easy, boomer. Yeah, I know. I'm become an old man. But anyway, so followed them for years. Took a test drive in 2009 when they finally had one mm-hmm. uh, t- uh, for a test drive in in, uh, in Menlo Park in California, and just said, "This is gonna be the greatest thing ever." Mm-hmm. This is this. It's, it was so fast; it blew me away. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so then became a large in Tesla investor early on. Okay. Yeah. So this become, you know, a big deal. Yeah. You know, and uh, so me and my wife both drive Teslas and, and love it. Yeah. We've probably saved $25,000 in gas no at shit. this point. Over the course of the... Yeah. Four or five years. Wow. So I had the one for six years now. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Wow. And it was cool driving. We, Me and my dad flew. It's a great story because he was super upset when I bought the car. Why? Emerson, we don't spend that kind of money on a car. It's like, well, I do. <laughs> this is we. Right. Who's this we? You don't. <laughs> so I said, well, you're going to fly out with me and help me drive it back. But I don't want to hear any complaining. Yeah. So my favorite story is we get there, we're driving. It's amazing. We're driving around the D.C. area because this is where I had to pick it up. Yeah. I mean, they, they would have shipped it, but I wanted to drive it home. Yeah. And they were kind of like, you sure? Yeah. I'm like, why? What's wrong with that? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come pick it up. So then we picked it up. We go to Tyson's Corner, Virginia, and uh, it's like in a mall, the first charger uh-huh. to leave town. Well, that was my next question. How do you charge it at that point? The first charger, there was only one in the D.C. area in 2016, wow. and it was this one, and it's a single stall. Yeah. And there's a line oh, Jesus. in the mall parking lot, and my dad's like, this, we're never getting home. So we, we had to like steal like a little slow charger and hang at the mall for like four hours huh. to get out of, you know, out of town to the next one, right. you know? But after that, it was smooth sailing. Yeah. We pretty much were, were fine. But that one, that initial, like, oh, geez. Yeah. Did yeah, I just I make a horrible 2,500 miles like, <laughs> like this? It was crazy. So, but we had a blast. I remember driving through Pittsburgh and just people like looking at like we're from the moon. Right. In 2016, there was none. Right. Being on the main drag there and people were like, what the fuck, fuck kind of car thing? is that? I can't even hear it. Is and my dad's on? now, he's got right. his arm yeah. out the window. Sunglasses on, he's, waving at people. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, um, yeah, we got a Tesla, you know? <laughs> like, you're supposed to, Wait, I'm no. supposed to take your car and None pick of this up wee chicks. shit. <laughs> Not the other way around. My dad drove, okay, a Ford Fairmont in high school. Uh-huh. 
I think maybe part of me that comes from like just the embarrassment. Think of like Beverly Hills 90210 with the poor family. Yeah. Not the poor family, but like middle class. Yeah. Amongst Richie Rich. Right, right. And my dad dropping me off in a car that was a real beater. Yeah. And everyone had a BMW there. Right. All my fellow, you know, right. students. And I ended up driving that Ford Fairmont. I was happy too. Yeah. But think about it, my dad's dropping me off in this right. thing. You know, it was right. just like scarred you were scarred yeah it's like never again <laughs> but yeah no it, it was so i've driven some beaters in my time and and slowly worked my way up i know what it's like right you know but i used to have a lexus a pretty nice mm. one and i considered that a fast car yeah it was an is 300 is is 200 sorry it was the, the older one is 300 sorry older one and uh, i sold it to a guy after i bought the tesla and I drove it out to East Mesa to to drop it off for him. And it felt like I was dragging rock, like nah, a, a yeah. huge boulder behind me. Yeah. That's the comparison. Wow. A 215 horsepower sports car felt like <laughs> slow as molasses. Sluggish. Like crazy slow. I was like, are you kidding me? Huh. This car is so freaking slow. <laughs> I thought that this was fast. Right. So, and I have, and it's a slow Tesla now that I drive. So it's only 4.3 <laughs> seconds, zero to 60. It's not the 1.99 plaid. Jesus. Those things are bananas. Yeah. I've driven one. Really? It's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Totally nuts. Yeah. Oh, man. Next level. But anyways, yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a journey and, and everything, all things Elon are, are fascinating. Yeah. I mean, he's certainly making the stuff interesting. Yeah. You know, and yep. otherwise, a lot of bad news out there. Yep. You can always tune into his channel and Count be like, shit, he's going to send some rockets yeah. around to the moon now, yeah. you know? He's going to buy Twitter. He's going to. Yeah, it's never, it's never a dull moment. Yeah. I didn't get an invite to, to Texas, though, for the big giga rodeo. Uh, that was a bummer. What is that? They had a huge festival when they opened up their factory in Austin. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know. It's fascinating, but, you know. Yeah. Music's still most of my life, but, but Tesla does dominate my thought process quite a bit. Really? It's pretty crazy. And, and my <laughs> wife's sick of it. She's, like, <laughs> she's like, enough of this. Right. You know, I listen to Tesla Daily, oh, all these podcasts. Okay, you're totally in. Yeah, I, yeah. I listen to all, this, all the, the latest every day. Yeah. And there's a ton of yeah. like information now out there. There's a whole cottage cottage industry on Huh. All things Tesla, huh. you know. But I'm not alone. Okay, no, I would. There, yeah, it's yeah. crazy out, yeah. out there now. It's I mean, I felt like kind of alone when I first started, but now it's like Jesus. I mean, I know like five or ten musicians that have Teslas mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. and they're all like, you know, yeah, they love it and they're they're obsessed. You know, anything else you want to rap about that we didn't? Oh no, I mean, I you know, I could go on and on about whatever, but you know, it's been a great hang here, and and uh, you know. Just thanks for trying to thanks keep, for taking the time. Keep playing the music, you know. I mean, it's it's a great thing to play music. We all yeah. We should, it's another thing we shouldn't take it for granted, mm -hmm. you know, because most people would just die to do what we do. I agree. I mean, that's just the dream, you know. People yeah. go, so you play music, yeah. So what do you do for a living? No, that's what I do. Right. right. And they're like, still, yeah. What you know, yeah. like how is that possible? <laughs> right. Right. You know. Yeah, but you know it's it's a long time thing. I mean, I had a gig one time where, you know, I was, I was talking to a guy who was working at a restaurant. And he's like, "Yeah, how much you get paid to do that?" I was like, 100, 150 bucks." He's like, 
I should have done that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's a long ways to go <laughs> right. to make a hundred bucks. Right. You know? Right. You get to rewind 15 years and start practicing your ass off, man. Right. You know? Right. So it's not like. You can't hang up your apron and the next day go It's get not it. just a gig. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Right. I thought that was hilarious. And yeah. I told him, well, you're the only person that said I should have gotten into the music for the money. Right. You right. know? Right. Yeah. That's no, it's, funny. it's, it's, but yeah, you get, you get to play with all kinds of incredible musicians yeah. and, and hang out and, and, uh, just explore all kinds of cool stuff. And, yeah. and, you know, every time I do it, I go, dang, you know, I'm playing with some of the best people, Yeah, you know, period. Yeah. Agreed. To play with Mario and Yanis yeah. on Sundays. Yeah. What is that? That's pretty killing. Yeah. And a, a blast. Fun hang. It's a blast. And you're doing cool music and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, those you know, those are the two of the sweetest cats in town. So, absolutely, absolutely appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks again, Indeed. and hopefully, at some point, we get to work together. It'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. Well, we've, we've jammed. We've jammed. Yeah, but you know, love to be a part of what you're doing. Absolutely, and would love to have you uh, be a part of what I'm doing. I'm sure we'll we'll. Uh, well, if one of the ten awesome drummers you work with <laughs> can't make it. <laughs> <laughs> you got the best man that's all i gotta say man I, I, i've seen you play and it that it's an incredible band you have there and thanks great man. music man i just every time i see you i'm like i wish we could have got more into the steely dan i got my tickets oh really you're gonna go yeah and may, may first and i heard that steve winwood's opening snarky puppy is it are you sure because i saw something i thought it was i th- might have changed oh really might have changed oh, but yeah see. i would love to see steve winwood i'm a big fan that would be yeah. him here, Akchi. I mean, I've seen Snarky Puppy, and they're great, but um, I just saw them in Mesa. Oh, really? A couple months ago. Yeah. By the way, I think, way, I, I think I'm going to go band. to that show too. Yeah, dude. I've never seen them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I missed out. Yeah. Well, not yet. Special guest Snarky the... Puppy. Oh, okay. Cool. But cool. Maybe maybe Stevie's on a limited something run else. or something. You know. Yeah. It's gonna be great, man. Well, we'll see you. We'll see. We'll see you before Steely Dan, but we will we'll see have you to at Steely Dan. At the Dan, we'll have to just have a little uh, little brewski before. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Appreciate you, Emerson. All right, man. So the story goes.